there. We want to record these if we can. And uh, we're all set? Okay. All right, so this is our second week in our soul winning training time. And uh, as I said a moment ago, there's a reason why I'm dressed the way that I am. And um, sometimes a picture is worth a thousand words, or sometimes seeing something is worth a thousand words. Um, I, I want to just, we're going to go down through some of these things here. And uh, we're going to, then Brother Keith will come lead us in a song. And I'm going to change before I preach the rest of it or teach the rest of it because I feel uncomfortable this way behind a pulpit. But uh, look with me on top of page number nine. There's two different types of evangelism. We mentioned them last week. I just want to give them to you again. We have um, uh, concentrated evangelism or mass evangelism, if you will. That would be uh, something that we would do uh, where we have a group of people come together and uh, one person usually or just a few, a handful get up and they share the gospel with a multitude of people. Um, when, when I was in college, we called it concentrated evangelism. And uh, that's really what a church does in its public services when there are lost people here is the preacher is giving the gospel. And then uh, the second kind is personal, uh, personal evangelism. So what we're dealing with here is personal evangelism. This is how you personally deal one-on-one with a person uh, about soul, uh, soul winning. Now, the second thing, last week we talked about having a vision for it and uh, kind of getting our hearts in, in, in the right mode for it. And uh, tonight we're going to give you some very, very practical things. And uh, it starts off with the second line there, prepare before you go. Prepare. It's very important that you prepare before you go. Now, the most important thing, and I just will say this at the onset, uh, when it comes to soul winning is that we spend time preparing spiritually for what we're getting ready to do. I went to... Uh, a couple of different Bible colleges, three different Bible colleges, in fact, uh, over the course of the time I spent getting um, educated or uneducated, depending on how you look at it. But um, two of the uh, colleges I went to were were what we would call strong soul-winning ministries. And yet in both of them, the emphasis was on the doing, not on the being. And uh, Jesus, when he was condemning the Pharisees, he says, Woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. He did not condemn them for what they were doing. He said, Outwardly, you're clean, didn't he? He actually commended them for that. But what he condemned them for was for what they were on the inside. They weren't on inwardly what they needed to be. And so in order for us to be effective in winning people to Christ, we have to do uh, what the Bible refers to in John chapter 5 as abiding in Him. That's our theme for the year, abiding in Him. Spiritually, we must walk with God and spend time preparing uh, to have uh, the opportunity to go soul winning. And I will say this, that the closer we walk with the Lord, the more we saturate our lives with His Word and our relationship and our walk with Him, uh, the more, uh, I don't want to say the more easy it becomes or the easier it becomes, uh, it becomes more natural. Can I put it that way? It becomes more natural to speak about the things of the Lord to people. At some point, it'll get to the place where you don't even feel like you're soul winning. You're just doing what you naturally do. And that is talking to people about the Lord Jesus Christ. And that ought to be the... Uh, we can do all the training. We can give all the scripts and samples. And But can I say this, that it really comes down to getting to a place spiritually to where it just naturally happens. By the way, I, I use this illustration so often. The Bible talks in Psalm 1 and also in Jeremiah chapter 17 
about Christians being as a tree that brings forth their fruit and the uh, priorities of the tree. And we've talked about that in our church before, that it uses what nourishment it gets, first of all, just to stay alive. It's got to, that's the first priority that tree's got is to stay alive. And if it's got enough nourishment to stay alive and a little bit more, then it'll use it to grow. And if it finally has enough nourishment to stay alive and to grow, then thirdly, it will use it to bear fruit. And I've never found a tree yet that makes an effort, that works hard and labors to bear fruit. It does it, what? Naturally. And can I say this? As a Christian, the, the, I am, the idea of soul winning and sharing the gospel ought to be something that is natural for us to do. And uh, that's, so that's the goal. When we say prepare spiritually, that's what we're trying to say, is get to the place where, boy, you just can't, you can't wait to walk out those doors and meet the first person you can because you're just excited to tell them about the, the Lord you just spent some time with. And so we want to prepare spiritually. spiritually. Number one, we need to pray for God's power and leading of the Holy Spirit. Pray for God's power and lead, the leading of the Holy Spirit. We need both of these. Um, the Bible says, without me, you can do nothing. So certainly we need God's power, His strength. We also need the direction of the Holy Spirit. Again, I, I can give you scripts, and this, this is to help some of you who have never led a person to the Lord before. You don't know what to say. This just kind of gets the ball rolling. But let's not get into this mindset that, oh, I, I read this script Brother Greg gave me, and it didn't work. Well, we're wanting the Holy Spirit to work. This just gives us a, a direction, okay? This gets us moving down the hill. We want that, that snowball to start building and big, picking up momentum to where eventually you don't even have to think about soul winning. It's just natural. It just happens. You get an opportunity to share the gospel with somebody who doesn't know, know Christ as their Savior. And it's just as natural as talking to them about the weather. And not, I'm not saying it ought to become uh, something very, very non-important to us. I'm saying it ought to be that natural to us. Charles Spurgeon went on a picnic with his friends one day. Charles Spurgeon was a workaholic. Some people said that he could carry up to seven, I think it was seven, independent thought lines simultaneously and keep track of every one of them. Uh, brilliant man, but was a workaholic. Finally, his friends talked him into taking a day off. And um, after the day was over, they had spent a day of recreation and relaxation. One of the uh, friends made this statement, said, We did not know when he was talking to us. And when he was talking to God, he moved so seamlessly between the two. And so I think that ought to be said of us when it comes to soul winning. You, don't, you ought not to notice a difference between just normal day-to-day -day conversation and soul winning. It's just it's part of it. It's part of what we do. Um, so pray for God's power and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Number two, under spiritually, equip yourself by familiarizing and memorizing God's Word. Familiarizing, memorizing yourself and memorizing God's Word. I left a word out there. Equip yourself by familiarizing yourself and memorizing God's Word. All right. Physically, we need to prepare. Physically, we need to prepare. Now, this is why I'm wearing what I'm wearing tonight, okay? And I, and I want to bring out a point here. Number one, dress for soul winning. Dress for soul winning. Uh, let me ask you a question. If, I, if you look at what I'm wearing tonight, does it make me any better or any worse than anybody else that's here tonight? The clothing doesn't make or merit my merit between how good or bad I am among other people. And we all know that and agree with that, do we not? 
However, I want you to notice, if you take your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, and I want you to see something here and bear with me. Because when we talk about dressing in, in areas of soul winning, and I would even say in areas of any kind of Christian service, um, the, the types of things that we're doing, uh, I want you to notice in 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, the Apostle Paul is addressing a, a very corrupt church, a church that had a lot of problems in it. And uh, in, in chapter number 5, and verse number 20, he says this, Now then, we are what? We are what? Ambassadors for Keitha Heights Baptist Church. Is that what it says? No. Who are we ambassadors for? We are ambassadors for Christ. Meaning that when we go to a lost person, they need to see Christ in us and through us. Now, they can't see my heart, can they? They better see something else. There's nothing wrong with what I'm wearing in the fact that I think I'm better or worse than you. But if I dress this way tonight, some of you came in and did a double take at Brother Greg because he didn't have a shirt and tie on uh, Sunday morning. If I get up in the pulpit on Sunday morning like this, and I, ha- I-, I was going to try to wear my, my knee-length shorts tonight, but it was too cold. And I was going to put my sandals on. Can I say this? Nothing wrong with what I was wearing. It wasn't a moral issue. But it meant that there's a big difference. Because when I stand behind this pulpit and hold this book in my hand and begin to proclaim it to people, what happens here is vastly important. And it ought not be commonplace. Do, do we understand what I'm getting at here? I'm not sitting here. A lot of churches will get up and say, boy, if you don't dress this way, well, you know, you're not welcome here. That is not what I'm getting at. What I'm saying is we are ambassadors of Christ. When we go soul winning, they're going to look at us. There is going to be something different. And if I'm trying to point them to Christ and I look this common, you know what I'm subconsciously telling them? What I'm doing here in your door, at your door, It's really not all that important. In fact, it's not really any more important than anything else in life. That's what I'm telling them. I'm not going to have you answer this. It's a hypothetical question. But if we got an invitation tonight to come to a formal dinner at the White House, I already see the ladies going, shopping, (laughs) new outfit. Why? Because we would dress for the occasion, wouldn't we? It's not that we're better than people that aren't invited. It's not that we're any worse than people that aren't invited. The occasion dictates it. Do we see the difference there? And by the way, that that doesn't just pertain to soul winning. That, That pertains across the board in our Christian service. We're lights to a world. There's something different that needs to take place here. All right? So, Dress for soul winning. Now, that being said, because we are ambassadors for Christ, we ought to be careful of what we dress and how we dress because of what uh, we're presenting to someone, the importance with which we are trying to let them perceive how important this matter and this issue of soul winning is. We're ambassadors of Christ, which is our second point there, but also do this. Dress comfortably. Don't wear a three-piece suit in the middle of summer. And uh, your, your bow tie and cummerbund 
And ladies don't wear six-inch heels walking the pavement. Wear comfortable shoes. Use some common sense. We want to look right and act right, but realize we're going to be doing a lot of walking. And this primarily is dealing with our soul-winning time when we go out. We're not talking about you being at work and you have an opportunity to share the gospel or you're at the Walmart and you have an opportunity to share the gospel. Uh, they don't care what you look like at Walmart apparently anymore because everybody wears their pajamas there. But, uh, but I will say this. Uh, we're talking about the times that we go out with the purpose. We're going to go out and knock some doors or we're going to go out and greet some people and we're going to meet them and try to share the gospel with them. So uh, we're ambassadors for Christ. Dress comfortably. Consider your shoes. That's a, that's a critical thing. You're not comfortable. Your, your back is hurting. Your, your calves are hurting from walking. It makes it miserable trying to share the gospel with somebody and you're fighting that. Uh, cold weather, hot weather, be careful of those things, okay? Uh, so dress comfortably. And then be considerate of your personal hygiene, okay? I, I did a couple things tonight because I wanted to... Uh, get this across to you. Well, first of all, I dress this way. Nothing wrong with how I'm dressed if I'm out here doing yard work or meet you to go to Six Flags. Nothing wrong with that. But when I get up to teach or preach behind this pulpit, there's something awkward about that, isn't there? I'm identified by the occasion. And so uh, I did that. The other thing I did was uh, at supper time, I ate a lot of garlic and did not brush my teeth before I came here. Uh, hopefully I can come up to each of you after the service and go, Hi, so glad to have you here. Uh, I got three H's in there, I think so. Uh, actually, I did. I did. <laughs> Miss Ron is handing me the, the, the bubble gum. By the way, never turn down a breath mint, okay? If somebody offers it, never turn it down. There's a reason for that. Um, but personal hygiene, and, and I say that to be funny. I did brush my teeth. I did have garlic, though, so it's probably still coming out. But, uh, but be careful of your breath. Carry breath mints or gum or something, preferably not gum because you don't want to be chomping the whole time you're doing this. But your personal hygiene, you can, be, you can be nasty and smell bad, or you can try to be too pretty. And by that I mean or too, too uppity in your hygiene. Some people that take a bath in cologne or perfume can be just as distracting. Uh, your perfume or your, your cologne is too strong. Some people, I know with my mom, if anybody's wearing, if you if you use a soap that has a smell to it, she has to get non the the no odor soap because it gives her these massive headaches when she's around anything that smells of perfume or anything like that. So be be considerate of those things. All right. That being said, I'm my brother Keith come and lead the new uh, music because I've got to get out of this shirt. Okay. Go ahead, brother Keith. Let's start off with I'll fly away. We all know that. If you don't, I got I got copies. If you need them, I'm gonna I'm gonna read it. Okay, are we ready? Some glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away to a home on God's celestial shore. I'll fly away, I'll fly away, oh glory, 
When I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. When the shadows of this life have grown, I'll fly away. Like a bird from prison bars has flown, I'll fly away. I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away. When I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. Just a few more weary days and then I'll fly away. Fly to a land where joy shall never end. I'll fly away, I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away. When I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. Amen. Um, everybody wants you to welcome back Superman. He came back from his phone booth. That was That was really fast. All right, on page 344, as I must tell Jesus. <clears throat> do you want me to pray in the middle of it, or are we... Okay, I just want to know what I needed to do. All right. Um, 344, I must tell Jesus. All right. I must tell Jesus all of my trials... I cannot bear these burdens alone. In my distress, He kindly will help me. He ever loves and cares for His own. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, I cannot bear my burdens alone. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, Jesus can help me, Jesus alone. I must tell Jesus all of my troubles. He is a kind, compassionate friend. If I but ask him, he will deliver. Make of my troubles quickly an end. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, I cannot bear my burdens alone. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, Jesus can help me, Jesus alone. Tempted and tried, I need a great Savior. One who can help my burdens to bear. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, He all my cares and sorrows will share. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, I cannot bear my burdens alone. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, Jesus can help me, Jesus alone. Oh, how the world to evil allures me. Oh, how my heart is 
to sin. I must tell Jesus, and he will help me over the world of victory to win. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, I cannot bear my burdens alone. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, Jesus can help me, Jesus alone. You know, I really like being able to hear you guys. That's great. I don't need the piano. I like hearing you guys. You guys are prettier than the piano anyway. All right. Let's move it on to page 347. I don't want to make anybody too full of themselves. (laughs) Tell it to Jesus. 347. Are you weary? Are you heavy hearted? Tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus. Are you grieving over joys departed? Tell it to Jesus alone. Tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus. He is a friend that's well known. No such a friend or brother, tell it to Jesus alone. Do the tears flow down your cheeks unbidden, tell it to Jesus, tell it to Jesus. Have you sins that to men's eyes are hidden, tell it to Jesus alone. Tell it to Jesus, tell it to Jesus. He is a friend that's well known. You've no other such a friend or brother. Tell it to Jesus alone. Do you fear the gathering clouds of sorrow? Tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus. Are you anxious? What shall be tomorrow? Tell it to Jesus alone. Tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus. He is a friend that's well known. You've no other such a friend or brother. Tell it to Jesus alone. Are you troubled at the thought of dying? Tell it to Jesus Tell it to Jesus, for Christ's coming kingdom are you sighing. Tell it to Jesus alone. Tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus. He is a friend that's well known. You've no other such a friend or brother. Tell it to Jesus alone. All right, now, this is a song that's actually quickly becoming one of my favorites. Um, On page 357, Nearer My God to Thee. It's very difficult to sing at first. It's probably not going to be angelic now, but it's still one of my favorite songs. You guys are going to sound great. I know it. You guys are going to sound great. I'm the one that's not. All right. <clears throat> Nearer, my God. 
Let me go back to our notes again real quick then. And uh, dealing with being prepared for evangelism. And these are things we do before we go out. And then um, the third area we want to be prepared in is organizationally. Organizationally. And uh, this is probably one of the things that I struggle in and have a weakness in. Uh, and that is keeping things as well organized as they need to be sometimes. But uh, when it comes to time for meetings, like if we're going to uh, meet to go out on a Saturday and we're going to have a time of prayer before we go out and give out visits and areas to go visit in, uh, or if we're going to have some additional training times and soul winning training times, uh, we need to be faithful and on time for those meetings. So uh, those are the two blanks there under organizationally, be faithful and on time uh, to those meetings. Number two, be sure to stock up on literature. Um, nothing worse than getting out there and you get ready to get on the street that you're going to and you start looking around for your tracks uh, or your invitation cards and you think, oh, no, I left them on the pew at the church. So make sure that you stock up on uh, your literature so that you can leave something in their hands when you go. Uh, compile a prospect list. We've given you a little sheet of paper. Uh, we have plenty of these on the back table. Uh, how many of you have already started co uh, composing a prospect list? It was on your assignment of homework from last week. How many of you, your dog ate your homework? Wow, that many of us, huh? Wow. Okay, well, we've got another set of homework tonight, so now you're going to have to do two weeks of homework. So, all right. 
compile a prospect list. Um, J.R. Faulkner, who was the assistant pastor to Dr. Lee Robertson, who built one of the largest Sunday schools in America back in the late 60s and early 80s, one of the great things that they taught was to always have at least 10 prospects that you're working on trying to lead them to the Lord. And J.R. Faulkner used to teach this to his preacher boys. I have the notes uh, that he taught in at Tennessee Temple University for so many years. And my dad went there for years and uh, uh, understood that the big secret to winning people to Christ is just that the more seed you sow, the more, or the more you plant, the more you sow, or the more you reap. And uh, so the idea of keeping a constant prospect list. And uh, it was interesting as I read through J.R. Faulkner's notes, he said, you find prospects everywhere. Uh, he said, some people think that you can only uh, write a prospect down if it's somebody that you know. But he, he, he said he would be sitting at dinner eating supper out to eat somewhere, and he'd look over at the table beside him and strike up a conversation with those folks. He'd get their name, and uh, he'd tell them who he was and where he was from. He'd try to get some information about them, and then he'd write them down. And he'd say, you know, I'd like to stay in touch with you. Can I get a number to call you with? And uh, that, he'd put them on his prospect list that quick. And so constantly be uh, finding areas of people that you can put on a prospect list and then pray for that prospect list daily. And uh, we want to work on those things. And we want to be able to bring those prospect lists in here starting the end of our soul winning training time on Wednesday nights. We're going to change our prayer time to uh, be a little more productive as far as us praying together as a church. And we want to be able to bring these prospects uh, to those prayer groups and pray for them by name, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that in just a little bit. Compile a prospect list. Uh, number four, keep meticulous records. Keep meticulous records. That's the one that I struggle with so often. I get done with a visit. Sometimes my mind is so whirling around with what I've talked to them about or what I'm worried about for them if they did not get saved or, you know, should I have said something different. Uh, I don't always mark down the results of that visit like I should. But uh, we want to keep meticulous uh, records. If they're not home, we write down, not home. Uh, If they were home but said, if you ever set foot on this property again, we're calling the police and put on there, they were home, but we cannot go back. Uh, You know, and and let us know, big dog in the front yard, okay, or whatever. Uh, Just uh, put results down there, okay, and uh, that will help us out. Uh, Number five, uh, turn in those results uh, every week, the results of your visits. Uh, we want to be able to keep track of them here at the church. And uh, I'm not a, a big proponent of going to an area, knocking that door, and you don't get back in that area again for a year and a half or two years. I think within a month or two, we ought to be re-knocking those same doors again and uh, trying to invest in those people that are there. And so we want to have some kind of record. Uh, last time we were here, nobody was home. Or last time we were here, um, a man named John answered the door. He had a prayer request. Here was his prayer request. Hopefully we've been praying for it here at church. And uh, when we go back to visit, we can ask John, how's this, how's this doing? And we're praying for you and, and that sort of thing. So turn in the results of your visit. Uh, then this one's another hard one for a lot of people. Prepare mentally, all right? Prepare mentally. Um, we need to know what our role is. That's the word there that we're looking for. Know what your role is. There's two types of folks. If you go door-to-door with two people, you have a silent partner and a speaking partner, and you need to determine and know what your role is before you go. Make those decisions ahead of time. 
um, before you get to the door at least. Now, maybe you guys want to share back and forth every other door. That's fine. But come up with a plan of who's going to do the talking and who's not going to do the talking. I'll tell you one of the things that I have found over the years that is a big negative when you knock on somebody's door and you start talking to them if there's two of you. And that is for one person to start talking and engaging them in conversation and maybe even beginning to share the gospel. And all of a sudden the second person jumps in because they think, oh, there's something that guy missed. Immediately that person feels like they're being pressed into their house and bombarded by two people sitting there talking to them. There's a role, a distinct role. One of them does the talking. The other one is the silent one. The first one on underneath role is silent partners. Uh, the role of the silent partner is to pray and help minimize any distractions. To pray and help minimize distractions. Um, if the dog is barking and doing whatever, walk out in the front yard down by the fence and bring the dog over there, get a stick and throw it in, in the canal and let him go chase it a mile away or whatever you got to do. Uh, find ways to, to help minimize distractions as best you can. Um, and don't go to extremes. I knew of a guy one time that a person's kids were crying inside the house and the person just kind of tried to nudge his way in the door to go take care of the kids. If you're standing on the front porch, that's not a good idea. Okay, so do it within reason, uh, but uh, certainly be praying uh, while they're presenting the gospel as well. So the second one is the speaking partner, and his role is to present the plan of salvation. That's the goal that we're trying to get to uh, when we go and knock on doors and get to somebody's house. Uh, there are some that uh, you need to have great discernment with and know what the Holy Spirit's doing. There are some that if you try and try and try and keep trying to push the issue, I've been in soul winning courses where they say if you're rejected, try this method. If you're rejected again, try this method. The more you push on that rejection that's there, uh, the harder it's going to be for another person to come behind you and try to share the gospel with them when that seed may have already been planted. And so be, be careful about that. There's a time to press. And there's a time to not press. And you, you need to pray that the Holy Spirit shows you that. Um, and that's a, a critical thing. All right, on the next page, back page, number 10, page 10. Consider the person's property. Don't walk on their yard. All right, some people put a lot of money and time in their yard. They don't appreciate it. Uh, and then don't sit on their furniture unless you, they ask you to. Uh, that, that seems intrusive to people sometimes, especially if you don't you, you just met them for the first time. If it's your second or third visit and they're joking and cutting up with you and they go over and sit down and they say, hey, come on over and have a seat, that's fine. Go have a seat with them. But don't do it unless you're asked, okay? That just seems a little presumptuous. What about no soliciting signs? Uh, the best answer I have heard ever on this is if you're comfortable with it, do it. If you're not comfortable with it, don't do it. Uh, Technically speaking, we're not soliciting in that we are not selling anything. But in the general use of the term in today's society, they consider anybody going door to door uh, to be soliciting, and law enforcement sometimes will look at it from that perspective. So this is one of those things, pray for discernment. I, I don't know how else to say it, but pray that the Holy Spirit will lead you. There are times I've felt very comfortable walking up to a place that said no soliciting, until they tell you, hey, you can't come here. Thank you. I'm sorry. Uh, we weren't selling anything. We didn't realize it. It applied to us as well. And you just thank them graciously and you leave. Um, there have been a few times uh, people have met me before I've even gotten through the gate. 
and been like, don't even think about it, you know. And uh, so be careful of that. Be considerate with your attitude. Be considerate with your attitude. Always be pleasant and polite, no matter how they treat you. I, <laughs> one of the most damaging things, I think, to the cause of Christ and to any hope of that person getting saved is if they mistreat you, for you to get belligerent back at them. Uh, I don't care how bad they've insulted you or hurt you. You thank them graciously and you leave. Uh, you're their guest. Um, that's the next point there. Remember, we are their guest. We are their guest. Okay? If no one answers the door, what do we do? Well, number one, leave a track and a church invitation on the front door or screen door, one or the other. And... Um, I am going to attempt either next Wednesday or the Wednesday after that to have two or three different door handles <laughs> that I can demonstrate to you how the best way is to leave a track. Some door handles are not real good about holding tracks, and there's some, some things you can do. We've learned over the years, if you'll do it this way, it'll stay in there and it'll stay good. Uh, we don't want just a, a light gust of wind to blow it out of the door. If it's a heavy gust of wind, you may not keep it in there anyway. But if it's five-mile-an-hour wind or less, you're probably, you should be able to leave it in a place that will not get blown away. Uh, leave the invitational track so that it will be readily seen. And be sure it is securely in place before leaving. All right? So these are just some practical things that we're going to give you. Now, we're going to do some practice things here. And I'm going to share a couple more thoughts with you real quick before we do that. Your assignment this week is to continue to pile, compile your prospect list. I made the assumption in writing these that uh, we had folks that were going to do their homework this week. <clears throat> but uh, since we did not, uh, you can scratch out the continue to. Just put compile your prospect list, okay? You can correct that on there for me. Um, read over the sample letters, the phone scripts, uh, letter and phone scripts, and become familiar enough with it to be able to share what it says without looking at it. So you, not that you're going to have it memorized verbatim. That's not what we're after anyway but that you have the gist of what it's saying, that you could be able to share the gospel. And we're going to talk real quick about that, and then we're going to have you pair off and share the gospel with each other. This will involve at least memorizing the references to the verses used, practice saying it out loud in front of a mirror or a family member, and be ready to demonstrate this at the next class time. You have two new verses to memorize this week, Romans 5.8 and Romans 5.12. Be ready to quote them at the next class time. So did any of you memorize Romans 3.10 and Romans 3.23 last week? Some of you already know them, I think. How many of you had to memorize those? You did not know them yet. Anybody have to memorize them or need to memorize them still? You don't know them yet? Okay. So, and it's not a problem. Guys, hey, it's us. We're family here. It's not about somebody, oh, I'm embarrassed to raise my hand about that. Uh, if, if there's ever a time we're going to mess up, we want to do it here where people love us, not where people hate us. Okay. Yes. Brother David. Okay. Okay, you going to quote it for us? As is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Anybody want to quote 323 to us? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All right, good. Good. Now, if you have not memorized those and you cannot memorize those, do not fret, okay? We want you to try. We want you to try. 
But if you can't do it, if it's just you've worked and worked and worked on it and your brain just is like a sponge, it won't hold it. It just keeps coming right back out. That's fine. Uh, what we told you last week you can do is go to, all you have to do is remember the first reference, Romans 3.10. And go there and write the reference to the second verse right beside that verse. So you know where the next one is. And look them up in your Bible as you lead someone to the Lord. Okay? All right. Uh, notes away for just a minute. And let me just share a couple general things here. Uh, you, you can write them down if you want to. But this is my heart to your heart, if you will, on a couple things. We spent some time tonight dealing with trying to get to a place where soul winning becomes natural. Uh, it is not about a script. You'll notice that in the letter sample and the phone sample I gave you, I don't use all the verses that we used in the straight from the vine, fresh from the vine track. Um, and depending on what situation you're in, you may use one verse. You might only use John 3.16 and share an entire gospel message from there. You might use 15 or 20 verses. I've had times, I sat an hour and a half in a guy's living room one time, and I had to go all the way back to Genesis and teach him about sin and Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Uh, so I sell that to say this. While we want to give you uh, some things that you're comfortable with, the idea is we want you to become familiar with and comfortable with scriptures that can be used in the process of telling somebody about the Lord Jesus Christ. So here's the thing that you're looking to do. Whether you're reading a track whether you're going through the Romans road in your Bible and using the references that are written in your verses, uh, here's the, the main things that you're trying to do. Number one, you're trying to show them that they're a sinner and that there's a price on that sin. If a, if a man does not understand that concept, then he doesn't even realize that he needs to be saved. A man's got to realize that. Uh, the Holy Spirit uses that then to convict his heart. And a man cannot come to Christ, the Bible says this, unless the Holy Spirit draws him. It's not about what you say. It's not about your personality. It's not about your blue shirt with the whatever that was that I had on there. It is not about those things. It's not about how you hold your hand or how you put your hair. And although we want to be careful of those things, that is not what's going to win someone to Christ. They've got to come to a place where they realize that they have a need and they cannot meet that need. Now we have the opportunity to say, let me tell you about somebody who met that need for you. So they have to know that they're a sinner and that they cannot pay for their own sin. That there's a need there that they cannot meet. Then you say, but, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. He's the answer to that need that we cannot meet. And so that's what we have to do. Basically, in, in the tracks, in the scripts that you get, uh, all, you mark it down. It, we're showing them they're a sinner, that they cannot save themselves, but there's a Christ that loved them enough that he was willing to come and pay that price on their behalf. And all they have to do is put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and, and accept that gift that he's willing to give them. And that's salvation in a nutshell. It's that simple. And uh, all else fails, tell them what you did when you got saved, provided you've been saved. 
okay? We, we're making this assumption that you're saved tonight, uh, and maybe I'm, uh, that's something I shouldn't do. Uh, because I do know there are times people have sat in churches and been active, active, active people in the church. Come to find out years later, they had never trusted Christ as their Savior. They were holding to the fact that they belonged to the church or the fact that they uh, had served as a Sunday school teacher or, or somebody in the church, and that's what they based their salvation on. So uh, maybe we won't do that. All right, we've got about 15 minutes left. Is that right? 20 minutes? Where are we at? 15 minutes, it looks like. So here's what I'd like for you to do. Yeah, we've got all night. Uh, here's what I'd like for you to do. We're going to take about uh, five or ten of those. Uh, let's take about ten minutes. And I'd like for you to pair off. Uh, husbands and wives, that are okay. that's okay. But preferably men to men, ladies to ladies. Otherwise, it's not in the end of the world if it's a man and a woman. It doesn't matter uh, too much here. We want to be careful of that as we go out into the community. And we'll talk a little bit more about how we are very careful about those things uh, out there. I hate to say it, but the day and age that we live in has caused us to have to be very cautious about things that used to we didn't ever have to worry about. And so we want to, we want to be wise in those areas. So here's what I'm going to have you do. I want you to pair off with one other person. And Miss um, Deneen has volunteered to get up in the pulpit and do hers. Right? No, I know who, who did. The one who forgot their homework tonight, Miss Linda... So, uh, no, uh, pair off, if you will. And here's what I'd like for you to do. Uh, introduce yourself. Just pretend that there are somebody that you walked up to the door and you don't know, okay? So it's going to start off with something like this. Hello, my name. You don't have to actually knock, but hello, my name is Greg. And I am from Keitha Heights Baptist Church. Our pastors asked us to come out in the community and meet, our, meet folks around the area and uh, see if there's anything we can do to be a help to you and from our church. And um, you want to start off with just a general conversation like that. Is there something we could be praying with you about? If they say, no, <laughs> no, get lost, uh, that's fine, thank you, sir or ma'am. And don't any of you say, no, get lost tonight. Say, yeah, that's fine, I, I do have this need or something uh, along that line. So you're going, to play, you're going to kind of role play it, okay? And before you pray for them, because you're going to get to the point where they're going to give you a prayer request of some sort, you're going to say, you know, I'd like to pray with you. Before I pray with you, can I ask you a question? And uh, you want to ask them a question along the lines of this. There's a couple ways you can word it. If you were to die right now, do you know 100% for sure that you go to heaven? I've heard some people say it this way. If you were to die right now, do you know 10%, 50%, or 100% whether you would go to heaven or not? Um, I heard someone say it this way, and I, I personally like this one as a, a question that I ask people, and that is this. If someone in your family asked you how you would go to heaven when they die, what would you tell them? And let them give you an answer. And they'll either give you the right answer. In that case, you shake hands and say, so I'm assuming you know Christ as your Savior. Yes, I do. I've trusted him as my Savior. That's great. That's the best outcome. But probably 99, 999 times out of 1,000, they're going to say, well, I would tell them that they need to live a good life and be kind to people. And, boy, you know what? That, that's a great answer. In fact, that's the most popular answer that there is when I ask people that question. But, you know, if the Bible told us something, if God told us specifically how we could go to heaven, would you have a couple minutes I could share that with you, let you know how God thinks about this? And then you start into the track, something along those lines, okay? So what we want to do along those lines is role play a little bit, uh, share that gospel track with them, 
the person being the, the center in the, in the role playing here, don't be too hard on them, okay? Go along with the questions. Help them out. And uh, if you get stuck, you know, say, oh, I'm stuck. Let's start over or, you know, something along those lines. Uh, again, trying, the best way to learn how to soul win is to soul win. Go out there and share the gospel. You have a track in hand. How many of you need the, a track with you? You don't have a track tonight that you can use? How many of you need one? We've got some I can grab in the back. Anybody? Okay, let's pair off then. Jonathan, are you going to pair off with somebody? Huh? Okay. I can. Brother, Her- Brother Harold, do you need me to pair off with you? I know better than do that. You're going to be difficult on me. You're going to be that hard one. 